0: get it that is exactly what you want quoted as the expert the story headline the spin every week join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public your public Craft your image, promote your products, create expert status, become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101, crisis management, media blitzing, it's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you.
1: From the official radio network of the PRSA, WebmasterRadio.fm presents exclusive coverage of the annual Public Relations Society of America's International Conference.
0: The PRSA International Conference is the public relations industry's largest annual learning and networking event. Drawing thousands of public relations and communications professionals from all practice areas and levels of experience who want to learn, share, make industry connections and ultimately advance their careers. This year's conference theme, Delivering Value, recognizes public relations role as a driver of business outcomes central to organizational success and the value that public relations professionals deliver to clients and their organizations. Conference attendees may choose from more than 80 professional development sessions, led by 175 of the best and brightest industry thought leaders. Sessions focus on everything from innovative public relations strategies to effective tactics and techniques to industry best practices. More than one quarter of the conference learning sessions will focus on new and social media strategies, tactics, and measurement. Reflective of the economic times, the conference will feature several sessions on communicating during times of economic weakness, including managing financial communications in the age of restructuring, crisis, and litigation, keeping employees focused during tough economic times. When a recession hits, reputation matters more than ever. How to leverage technology to meet strategic communication goals during a downsized economy, and how to build your public relations career in a challenging economy. This year's event will take place November 7th through 10th, 2009 at the San Diego Marriott Hotel and Marina. For more information or to register, please visit www.prsa.org forward slash IC2009.
2: Now, here is your host. Hello everyone. This is Brandy Shapiro Babin of webmasterradio.fm and again as you know, we've got continuing coverage right up to and through the Public Relations Society of America's 2009 International Conference in Sunny San Diego, our featured guest uh, who we're bringing on right now is Jenny Shady. She is the principal for J.R.S. Consulting, and her topic is The Invincible's Key Essentials for Bulletproofing Your Career. Sharing key qualities I've observed in employees who are not only surviving, but thriving during even the most difficult times, such as the current recession. These recommendations will be based on more than a 1,000 interviews that she's conducted with employees while guiding organizations through turbulent change. And for those of you that do not know Jenny, she combines a very interesting background in communications and counseling psychology. She's got her MBA from Northwestern to help organizations answer that critical questions. How do your customers and employees feel about your products and services? The answers that her research uncovers are the foundation for building strong brands and developing effective communications and relationships with employees and customers. As an Officer and Director of Qualitative Research at Golan Harris International, one of the world's largest public relations firms, Jenny helped build brands that included Levi's, 501 Jeans, Campbell's Soup, Legs, Pantyhose, Hall's Cough Tablets, Jim Beam Bourbon, Celestial Seasonings, and Kleenex. Prior to that, uh, Jenny also worked uh, with Edelman. So without further ado, welcome, Jenny. Thank you. It's great to be here today. It is. And you know what? It's great that we're both employed. Yeah, you said it. (laughs) So that's where, that's, you know, a a lot of what you're going to be discussing on this panel is truly how to bulletproof your career.
3: Absolutely, yeah. It's a very difficult time for many people. We have 7 million Americans that have lost their jobs in the last couple of years, and so we're going to be talking about how to build your career in a very challenging economy overall.
2: Okay, now this is interesting, because right now you and I are both employed. (laughs) But so how does one go about bulletproofing their career. I've noticed that some
3: employees are not only surviving the chaos, but they're thriving, and I call this group the Invincibles because they are essentially bulletproofing their careers against some of the extreme changes being experienced today in, in organizations worldwide.
2: So let's. But all right. So let me ask you. Let's talk about that. So when you when you came in and you did these thousand interviews, this did people know they were getting let go, or they didn't realize they were letting they were being let go. It depends a little bit on what's going on. Sometimes the
3: company has just announced that there are going to be some layoffs, but Mm -hmm. nobody knows yet who's being laid off, and everybody's really nervous. I mean, that's when people are telling me, we're not getting any work done because we're all so worried about who's going to lose their jobs. Right, so you can't focus. Mm -hmm. The layoffs have already occurred, and I come in afterwards to figure out how to motivate employees to work hard.
2: Okay so let let's talk about I mean cuz those are those are I mean the pendulum swings both ways. You know you've got people who are sitting on pins and needles and they don't know whether or not they have a solid foundation in the job they currently have. I mean and how right. so how do you help them and then you've got the other side of the fence with the people saying, "Okay, great. I still have my job and I'm going to be invincible. I'm going to make myself as indispensable as possible."
3: Exactly. So um what I've noticed is some of the employees are able to still maintain a very good attitude and figure out how to make the best of the situation. I mean they've been dealt a difficult card, right? Either Fellow employees have been laid off, or there are going to be layoffs, and they need to determine how they can survive and even thrive in this situation. So, um, for example, one of the first things I've noticed about employees that seem to be doing well in this situation is they are still passionate about what they do. And so, what that means for the rest of us is, if you're in a difficult situation like that, it's time for some soul searching. You need to determine, you know, do you still want to be in this field, and make sure that you still have that same sort of passion about your work that you've had before. I'm not sure if you've heard about the situation at the Journal News, which is a Westchester, New York uh, daily paper. And the employees there really recently went through a situation where they had to reapply for their jobs. Everybody in advertising and editorial had to reapply for their jobs. And at the end of the day, 70 of them would not be rehired. Uh, that sounds like a really tough situation and um, something that probably none of us would want to go through, but I think the point there is that the journalism field has changed quite a bit, Mm -hmm. as has the PR field, and um, what you really need to ask yourself is do I still want to do this? I mean with all the uh, the change to the internet and social media, PR is working differently than before, and if you still want to be in PR, you need to make sure that you still have a passion for the work. If you don't have that passion, there's it's going to be very very difficult to be successful.
2: So let me ask you a question, I mean especially, you know, for, with your coming from your psychology background and understanding people, you know, because you made a point, right? I believe, you know, strongly you spend 80% of your time probably at work, you got to love what you do. But if you're working in an environment that's fairly tumultuous, Mm -hmm. is it hard, do you think, for people to differentiate, hi, I'm not happy in my current circumstances versus I've lost a passion for how the industry's changed?
3: That's where some soul searching comes into play. You need to take some time and think to yourself is it is it the the situation where we're having to let people go that's 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 bothering me or is it that I just don't like this work and i you know i see both happening nobody is happy to come into work knowing that there are layoffs going on but a- after you get past that point if you had the opportunity to reapply for your job would you still want the job? That's the thing to, ask, to your, ask yourself, especially if the job is being done differently. Are you willing to go along with the changes that are required in your field? And that, that's really sort of the first step in, in being invincible and surviving some of the difficulties in the workforce today is making sure that it's still the job for you.
2: Okay, so let's, let's say, God forbid, this was me, and I say, you know what? Yes, I believe, I believe in my industry. I want, I want to keep, continue to do this work. Right. So what are, what are my next steps as an insurance policy for me to have a job? The next step
3: is to identify your true value. So what are you really bringing to the table at your job? And what I suggest that people do, you could do this too, Brandy, is take a piece of paper and draw a line, a vertical line down the middle. And on the left side, you have a heading, what I do. And on the right side, the heading is the value that I provide. And so for all the things that you do on the left side, how are you really helping your company? You need to be really clear on that because that is, when it is what's going to keep you employed Or if you've lost your job, that's what's going to help you get another job. So, for example, people in the PR industry, they might on that left side say, well, I pitch a lot of media. That's a a function that a lot of PR Mm -hmm. people uh, focus on. Um, But what is the value that they provide to their clients or to their agency? The value is going to be along the lines of I get clients in the news or I excel at a, at a di- identifying news angles that attract media. So do you see the difference? It's not the function, but it's the value that you provide, and you
2: need to be absolutely clear on that. Which I think is really important, because do you find that when you've interviewed people, their perceived, um, their perceived perception of value is different than what the company perceives their value to be in a lot of cases? It, it can
3: be. It, it, people can be unclear on their value, and that's where it's okay to go ahead and get some help. Ask some of your colleagues, ask your boss, ask your clients. For example, a colleague of mine who's in the field of presentation coaching thought that her value was on training people to do presentations. But when she talked with some of her clients, they said, you know, you are good at that. But frankly, there are others who are pretty good at it too and they cost less than you but what you really provide to me the value that you provide is you help me have a sense of executive presence so when i walk into a room i own the room people are looking at me as an expert and they said that's what i get out of your coaching so there was a nuance there, and it was very important for my colleague to have that conversation with some of her clients and understand her true value. And going forward then, she could market herself in just a little bit different of a way, but it was much more effective.
2: Yeah, which I think is so important because the way you perceive yourself is not the way other people perceive you. Exactly. You know, a lot of the time, which is which is interesting. Okay, so now so now you've got a clear-cut path. You You understand what you like to do, what you don't like to do, um, what you believe your perceived value is, you, um, you know, cross-reference it with some of your peers and potentially your boss, and you still want to be you know, in this company or at least in, in this business. How else can you bulletproof yourself?
3: Here's a big change that I'm seeing compared to about five years ago. Okay. Stop thinking of yourself as an employee and start marketing yourself as an expert who adds value. So once you've identified the value that you just talked about, Um, You need to start marketing yourself much like an independent consultant might do. So that's where I'm seeing the employees who are the most successful are writing articles. They're speaking. They're giving workshops. They're marketing themselves, even though they may be employed by a firm because th- that increases their value with their own clients and within their firm and when the firms are making decisions about layoffs if they think of a particular employee who's been very well published maybe they've written a book mm-hmm. they're, they're speaking they're drawing in business to the firm that person is less likely to be let go or if they are let go, they have a much more recognized name, and it's going to be that much easier to get another job. So even though you're an employee, you still need to market yourself so that you're very, very well recognized. It's almost like having your own brand. You know, right. who are you? What is your
2: brand? Right. Oh, that's excellent. It's, you know, I call it keeping your persona, um, your your professional persona polished. Exactly. I'm all about I'm all about alliteration, but 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 I mean seriously, I think that is important because what is it's a it's a reciprocal value what you're talking about to your company and also to yourself because it extends your expert status and visibility in the industry which is an insurance policy and also helps your company lay you know further you know stake and claim in in their marketplace but it does keep you out there that goodness you know if something happens with your job you have excellent credentials to be able to be adopted by another company still in your field i think that's an excellent point
3: Right, but I think marketing yourself, even when you 're an employee of another firm, is a very different mindset in the past, and, and um, it may be di- a different sort of a feeling for people and in fact it 's a little counterintuitive because I find with some of the employees that i 'm interviewing that there 's a little bit of, a, of an inclination to stay off the radar you know and not not be real vocal and not be out there, but in fact that 's exactly what you need to do. You need to be drawing attention to yourself and your strengths. To, uh, to increase your, your likelihood of keeping your job, or if you have lost your job, of getting another job.
2: Now, why do you think people are wanting to stay under the radar?
3: Stay off the radar, because uh, they're worried about losing their job. And sometimes people, you know, when, they, when you're going through a difficult time at work, there's a little bit of an inclination to just stay in your office to not talk with, not talk with the big bosses it's it, it's it's a little bit primitive but it's kind of that brings that part out of us that well maybe if they don't see me i won't I won't end up on the list of people who are getting laid off
2: right complete avoidance exactly which is interesting what what else do people do because because i do find that you know we all have a lot of common you know in, intrinsic um, sort of emotions that the way that we react sometimes in, especially in times of crises. What other sort of commonalities that the peop- do you find that people have that maybe really aren't working the best for them?
3: People sometimes hang back and don't spend as much time talking with their bosses as they need to. For example, they might be feeling overworked. Some people have, perhaps colleagues, have lost their jobs. And so the, the employees that are remaining feel overburdened by all the work that they need to do, but they're afraid to speak up. Um, they've just been through kind of a, of a war zone with people losing their job, and what often happens in terms of uh, times of reorganization is there aren't process improvements in place. So the same amount of work exists, but fewer employees. So employees are trying to do more work with a smaller workforce, and the incl- inclination might be, well, I'm not going to complain. I might lose my job, too. But in fact, that's an ideal time to get into your boss's office and say, here's all the things that I'm doing. Help Help me prioritize so that I can be the most value to the company and help us get back on track.
2: Jenny, I want to say thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode of Cover Story. I think your topic is so very important. Right from you know the beginning of you know really being honest with yourself about is this a company you want to be with? Is this um, an industry you want to be you know you want to be in? And then really putting yourself out there um, and bulletproofing your career. I mean, I think that. You are illustrating very well and very easily how people can create a path for themselves of stability and moving forward in a positive way. Thank you so much for your awesome contribution today.
3: Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I hope people will come hear a presentation if they're attending the PRSA conference in San Diego, November 7th at 1115, How to Build Your Public Relations Career in a Challenging
2: Economy. Please come say hello. Absolutely. Well, I know I'll be there. I definitely want to bulletproof my career and feel good about it terrific. I mean, thank you. These are all been very positive reinforcing. Um, you know, it's all positive reinforcing information. I think that's what we need is, you know, be honest with ourselves and have and be positive and reinforcing. So for everyone listening, um, this is Jenny Shade has been our featured guest today. Um, absolutely go and check her session out. I think it sounds terrific. And Jenny, once again, thank you for being our featured guest.
3: It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
2: Thank you
1: for listening to exclusive coverage of the annual Public Relations Society of America's International Conference, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick
0: around. Cover Story. We'll be back after this short break. Career Success. With it comes a better salary, greater responsibility, and industry prestige increase your chance for success by attending the prsa 2009 international conference november 7 through 10 in san diego learn from public relations thought leaders as they discuss the industry's hottest issues from social media to social responsibility Hear keynoters ariana huffington todd buckholz and Bob Garfield break down world events that influence business and affect you and network with industry contacts who can help you get ahead. Log on now to reserve your spot at the PRSA 2009 International Conference. To register, go to www.prsa.org. That's www.prsa.org. Maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the US alone. If this were a real PR Web release date, your website would have so much traffic you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online news release and content distribution service. Use the power of Local Pages. With over 5 billion searches per month and the largest database of paid search listings, let Local Pages Affiliate Network personalize your account and give you the search tools and solutions you need. Become a Local Pages Affiliate today with LocalPages.com
1: want to learn the biggest asset to driving online success let me introduce you to my expert advisor pixel silk pixel silk is a robust content management system built on a foundation to create online marketing success it's the only content management system that offers keyword specific SEO advice can integrate with your shopping cart system and offer multi-site management PixelSilk frees my time while making my company's website easy to manage and promote. Even better, PixelSilk has been embraced by the SEO community.
0: I'm Bruce Clay, and PixelSilk is the first CMS I have ever felt good about recommending.
1: With this winning combination, we have all the tools we need. PixelSilk.com, the ultimate in SEO-driven CMS.
0: Ready to learn to be a mass marketing mastermind? Take some notes from the godfathers of mass distribution. Inbox Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to cover story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host,
1: From the official radio network of the PRSA, WebmasterRadio.fm presents exclusive coverage of the annual Public Relations Society of America's International Conference. Now, here is your host. I'm Maria Retan, sitting in for Brandy Shapiro Babin. You can normally catch me right here on Webmaster Radio each Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. I host Purse Strings, where each week listeners can learn how they can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the woman. But today I have the pleasure of talking about Barack Obama, a case study in public relations and the Citizens Campaign. Joining me is the person leading this PRSA session, Mike Smith. Now, Mike is the CEO and founder of Mike Smith Public Affairs, a Washington-based public affairs agency working at the intersection between social media and political grassroots with clients in the clean energy space, global climate change space, and, of course, working on the Alzheimer's issue. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks
4: so much for having me.
1: Well, I'm really excited to be talking about Barack Obama's presidential campaign, a session that you're going to be hosting, and so much has been written about this campaign. Clearly, it's something that you know a lot about. Um, The campaign created really what's considered to be a whole new set of rules for running a successful campaign. What was it like being part of that campaign as a political organizer, Mike?
4: Well, I really enjoyed my time over 18 months, uh, starting with a boot camp on message development and how to really be a community organizer, which is where Barack Obama got his start. I think the main thing we learned was how to really interview people and find out how to scale, uh, how to create a grassroots network, and really engage your base. And all of those are skills public relations people need. We had an opportunity to spend time on the road in Iowa, Texas, and Virginia, and I also covered the Democratic National Convention. And by that I mean I was doing press and advance work, really PR and meeting planning, uh, in Iowa for a month, Texas for several weeks, and then Virginia for uh, over a month until he won that state. In Denver, I was involved with the Tech, Media, and Telecom Committee under now FCC Chairman Julius Genachowski, And I was advancing a lot of tech czars uh, in the business, including Craig from Craigslist, uh, Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn, and others who were speaking on behalf of the president as a surrogate spokesman. So I learned a lot about how to run those kinds of efforts where you have people uh, on the stump, if you will. It was a great experience, and it led me to want to change my business model to uh, public affairs and try to use those same techniques and technologies to scale. I think at the PRSA International coming up here in San Diego, we're going to spend a little time with people learning about those skills, about community organizing, and actually do some role play as to how you might be able to find out about your publics or your citizen and to ask them... Uh, how to engage the base, or how to create a groundswell of support. There's a very good book by some Forrester analysts called Groundswell. I think that kind of describes what we're doing. The potential for social media is enormous, as you know, uh, but so are the hurdles. And many seasoned PR professionals and communicators must unlock that potential. Learning this new language of social media is the very key to adapting uh, your experiences. And gurus of new media also uh, have solid industry experience, like many of those at the PRSA 2009 International, and they'll be there to help as well.
1: Well, Mike, one of the many, many brilliant moves of the campaign was inspiring the average Joe and Jane to be ambassadors for the candidate. And that happened through Twitter and Facebook and other social networking tools. How did the campaign identify which people would become the biggest ambassadors or was the beauty of it that they actually self-selected?
4: That's a very interesting question. I think the campaign really didn't know how to predict, uh, how this grassroots movement would go. It was a lot like a wildfire. Once it started moving, you could really direct it, but you weren't sure where the next, uh, hot spot would be. I think the young people was really the best part of the campaign. Uh, Eighty-seven percent turnout for first-time voters went for Obama. Uh, When I was in Iowa, the kids were on Christmas break, and yet we were trying to get them to come to the caucus uh, because they have residency at those college dorms and campuses. So many of them, thousands of them actually, came back uh, based on Twitter and based on Facebook uh, communities, uh, suggesting that they wanted to come before their Christmas break was up. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in college, I wasn't coming back to campus any time sooner than I had to before Christmas break. And the holidays, but anyway, the the notion was that they really started moving moving things. The uh, web developers and social media experts in Chicago and around the country would really fan those flames and keep people uh, excited. I think the uh, fundraising part was also huge. Uh, and indeed, David Pluff who was the campaign manager, said we just wanted to make a good showing in Iowa. We didn't think we were going to win. We just wanted to you know be in the t- up two or three so we could continue along. Well, when he won Iowa, the money just started pouring forth and. And towards the uh, second uh, half of the campaign, I think everyone knows in one month, the Obama campaign brought in fifty million dollars a record for contributions to a candidate, and most of that in small and mid sized donations, five hundred bucks here, uh, maybe a hundred there so that 's real grassroots and Uh, I think that the last audience that started to turn was the black and African-American community, and that was unforeseen. Uh, It was not until the Carolinas that we saw the big turnout and the big vote. I think many people were sort of uh, on the fence for a while until they saw that he had the experience to lead.
1: Was it Iowa that you really saw that this new approach was working? Was that really the the flashpoint? Or was it as the campaign kept rolling state by state by state? And I know I've, I've read where Obama would come into the state and there would already be these legions of people ready to welcome him and have already organized on the ground far before his own campaign people ever got there. Was it Iowa that was the flashpoint of that? Or did it happen a little bit later that you guys figured it out and said, oh, my gosh, this is, this is actually... Actually working
4: you know I think it happened well before I mentioned uh two years ago in August of oh six we were in um New York. And there were regional boot camps around the country for social media and for communicators to learn about message development the Obama way. And this was trained by these community organizers who knew about delivering polls, delivering precincts, and how to really push uh, people out, even on a snowy night in the middle of December, to vote. And so you had these advanced teams already in place as part of the state structure of the campaign. Uh, And that I think was how uh, the ground Well, began. The Iowa was a surprise, though, in terms of the student rollout, uh, in terms of the uh, seniors we were able to get. Uh, But what I'll tell you is what I'd like to share about this is we were lucky to get 500 people in Iowa City at a college hall uh, in the early days. We maybe got another 500 or so at the Caterpillar uh, factory up in Cedar Rapids. By the time I got to Texas a few months later for that caucus, we had 30,000 people packing the reunion arena with Emmett Smith giving the prayer in the beginning and all the Dallas Cowboys high-fiving Obama as he went up to the stage. By the time I got to Virginia, the last days of the campaign, in fact, the very last day of the campaign, he spoke in Manassas, Virginia, and there were 90,000 people on the fairgrounds. So that kind of scale in terms of the in-person uh, appearances, to me, was just amazing to watch. Uh, there aren't even 90,000 people in Manassas, Virginia. so uh, It was uh, like Woodstock, I think. I, I do believe your question is right on that there was uh, a sense that this was a movement, it was movement politics based on a simple message of change. I think after eight years, uh, people, particularly younger people, were ready to mobilize. And I think they had the tools to do so with the Facebook and the various social media tools to network even meetups, uh, and other kinds of, uh, technologies that are available today. And as you know, the young people are driving we more senior folks. I'm, I'm 27 years in the PR business and my, uh, account soups who are in their mid-twenties are teaching me. And I'm learning. I'm, I'm picking it up pretty fast here. I have a blog on Huffington. I have a blog on the Comprehension site, which is PRSA International site for uh, the International Conference. We have our own blog on MikeSmithPA.com. And we're writing blogs or posting Twitter uh, pretty much all day long. As my teammate said today, we're really content developers now as much as we are PR people.
1: Yeah, absolutely true, and and as you said, there's so many tools out there. I mean, we talked about Twitter, we talked about Facebook, um, you talked about the fundraising and the massive amount of funds that Obama was able to turn around in such a short amount of time through mobile, mobile um, tools. Were there other tools, maybe some that... Um, haven't risen to the top as much or maybe people out there haven't heard as much about that also played a role in engaging people, engaging these ambassadors like video blogs or podcasts or any of those types of tools.
4: Absolutely. I think Obama is such a good message uh, person himself. To see him on a video podcast or to be able to have those sorts of tools uh, was exceptional. Certainly there were television broadcasts, but he also would get on the phone every day to the campaign in Iowa particularly and deliver messages that worked and resonated where he'd been that day. And you had thousands of campaign volunteers listening into these conference calls. So that's a pretty simple technology. The more advanced technologies are about market segmentation demographics, uh, typical campaign software that works within uh, delivering your base, making sure Democrats were registered. We had huge lists of uh, addresses and registered Dems, and we went house by house. My daughter and I, she's 16, uh, in the zero-degree weather, but uh, it was fun, and we had a good time going to ensure the vote would come out. In the end, it's about delivering people to the polls, and about uh, making sure when they caucus or come to conventions, they are ready to uh, pull the lever. So uh, I think that the higher-end technologies were campaign-related and uh, zip code sorts, precinct sorts. Getting people out to the caucus from the precinct, we often would take buses out for some of the older folks so they could arrive in person, because in these situations, you have to be there. You can't just call it in. Uh, You have to show up to vote or to caucus. The uh, video podcasts were very successful, and I think the uh, text messages, um, and we were asked to consistently go back to the obamachange.gov and change.com websites in order to locate the key message that we were supposed to be delivering.
1: And, you know, I'm curious, do you happen to know, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you happen to know if the Obama administration still stays in touch with those citizens who were engaged so incredibly throughout the campaign? Or Is there still a relationship going on there?
4: I know for a fact uh, how that works. David Pluff, the same very same campaign manager that worked with Obama, is now in charge of that grassroots outreach vis-a-vis the initial mailings and lists that were put together over time. It's a really important group. It's his base, and it is the president's mandate uh, that they are watching. Now, almost everybody else ended up at some position at the White House in terms of uh, David Axelrod, who was a key strategist and now a special advisor to the president, or Rahm Emanuel, chief of staff. But Pluff wanted to continue to energize and support that base of people that had asked for change and to play back the fact that we were getting it. I will say this. Uh, everyone believes in political life here in Washington that we missed the opportunity or didn't see it coming on the healthcare town halls. That's where the Republicans made a pretty strong comeback and used their own base and delivered uh, tough commentary and challenges at these town hall meetings. And people say Obama was a little bit behind on that, not seeing the need to keep the base alive and keep the constituents informed on the health care issues. Once he got on the air and did the TV uh, joint session of Congress, once we had sort of the State of the Union on health care, we were able to reclaim, I think, the momentum. But losing momentum, when you have such a huge base of uh, supporters, it was a shame. And I think it took a week or two to regroup and to get back on top on this thing where healthcare now has a fighting chance.
1: Well, I know as public relations professionals all the time, we counsel our clients that if you're going to enter into this space, you have to continue to maintain the levels of communication and listening and feedback, or at some point you don't you know, you lose credibility, and it can actually end up doing more harm than good. So, at least uh, the Obama administrations recognize that and continue to seize, seize the opportunity. I would imagine that companies can take some pretty key learnings away from this campaign and put it into practice for their own success. What do you think are the major takeaways, Mike?
4: Well, we're calling our session at PRSA International a citizen's campaign, And really today, as you know, in the media, we have citizen journalists, bloggers outnumbered traditional press at the Denver DNC convention uh, by four to one. And we had a a large group of uh, uh, social media experts within the Obama campaign who are continuing that work takeaways for me are all of this is transferable to the PR industry. We are no longer a top-down profession. You know, three core messages, media train the CEO, deliver our messages, bridge back to our messages. Today, it's about... I think the community and the conversation, and if you can interject or at some point influence that conversation by transparent disclosure, by discussion, by answering a question that comes up within the community, that's how we're now creating influence. Uh, Bottom up, not top down. And I learned that, and I think most of us have now captured that message. By the time we get to November, I think our industry will have really changed. Public relations is really much more social media relations. One of the clients I work with is DNA13, which is a social media monitoring platform, and they monitor 40 million blogs. We didn't even know there were 40 million bloggers at this point. So to know how your brand is faring in the online world, to know how you can respond quickly uh, once there's a crisis or an issue that comes up, I think those are some of the lessons learned. And clearly for senior management, uh, well, including I- myself, it, you really have to know these technologies and how to play them.
1: Yes, you do, because one misstep can be pretty um, hard to recover from. We've seen that over and over again as companies have entered into the space, attempted to play space, and yet managed to get burned. It can it can be really damaging to your corporate reputation if you don't have a strategic plan in place before you enter into this. And I'm sure as the CEO and founder of your own public affairs agency, you probably uh, talk a lot about this on a daily basis.
4: We do, and I think in terms of preemptive or putting out a positive environment, today for the first time ever you're seeing social media manager as a title within a PR firm. I've just hired a social media manager, and I was able to find her through her own great writing on her blog at uh, the Elkhart Truth in Elkhart, Indiana. She also went on to get a master's at Northwestern University, which is my alma mater, so that gave her some creds with me. But the idea was to uh, really see somebody that was doing it, good job in this very finite, short amount of space we have to communicate now. The news hole is so different. The the way we present to media, even traditional media, is important. Uh, I spent most of my weekend working on a letter to the editor about climate change, and it had to be 200 words. And we went back and forth carving and changing until we got it just to fit that space. But that's what the paper had Uh, in terms of uh, 142 characters on Twitter. We have to write concisely. And so you're seeing more and more titles that involve social media. I think public relations, as it's been, is is entirely changing since uh, Mr. Leslie invented it 100 and some years ago. And I think it is now much more about content, about conversation, and about community. Maybe we'll call it the three C's when we get to San Diego.
1: Hey, I like that. That has a nice uh, a ring to it. And best of luck, too, at the PRSA International Conference. Again, Mike Smith of Mike Smith Public Affairs will be leading the session called Barack Obama, a case study in public relations and the Citizens Campaign. Best of luck to you, Mike.
4: Thanks so much for having me on Webmaster Radio today.
1: You bet. Thanks so much for joining us here on Cover Story. Thank you for listening to exclusive coverage of the annual Public Relations Society of America's International Conference only on webmasterradio.fm.
0: Career success. With it comes a better salary, greater responsibility, and industry prestige. Increase your chance for success by attending the PRSA 2009 International Conference November 7-10 through 10 in San Diego. Learn from public relations thought leaders as they discuss the industry's hottest issues. From social media to social responsibility, hear keynoters Ariana Huffington, Todd Buchholz, and Bob Garfield break down world events that influence business and affect you and network with industry contacts who can help you get ahead. Log on now to reserve your spot at the PRSA 2009 International Conference. To register, go to www.prsa.org. That's www.prsa.org.